the common theme with branding is having really good content. And so while you can kind of bone up and learn tools and different new technologies that come onto the market, the underlying need is content. Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of building and remodeling. I'm Ryan Bell of Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building materials. And today, my co-host is Todd Miller. Todd, how are you doing today? Doing great. I'm enjoying being in this seat today. Let you be in the hot seat. Yeah. So Todd is typically the host, and we have switched roles for this this uh, episode, so Todd, that means you are the one that gets to share perhaps a, a dad joke or limerick that you might have. Hey, I just may have a couple of jokes. Don't have any limericks for you today. Sorry about that, Ryan. But uh, Okay, so I, I heard the other day that a pirate went to his doctor and he told the doctor, he said, I don't know what to do. I, I've got moles on my back. And uh, the doctor says, okay, well, let me look at them. And uh, the doctor looks at his back and says, oh, don't worry about them. They're, they're benign. And the, the pirate said, you better check again. I think there'll be 10. And my other horrible groaner of the day, see, you know, poor Bigfoot. Sometimes Bigfoot gets confused with Sasquatch. Happens a lot. Yeti never complains. Yeti never complains. (laughs) There we go. Nice. Nice. That was, uh, so this is our third episode recording today, and this is the first one we shared jokes in. It is. It is. Am I right? Well, you know, it's the end of the day on a Friday, so something yeah. exciting had to happen. Something. All right. Well, before we dive in, I do want to mention that a little game we like to play here on Construction Disruption is challenge words, and we have all given each other a challenge word to try to work into the conversation somehow. So for our listeners to just kind of keep an ear out and try to listen to a word that maybe doesn't sound quite natural, and then we will reveal those to you at the end. So today's guest is Claire Saka Oka. Claire, I hope I, I'm pronouncing that correct. She is the owner and chief strategist of Engage 5W, a digital marketing brand strategy and copywriting agency in Springfield, Missouri. With over 20 years of experience in PR, marketing, and digital media management, Claire is an expert at facilitating and creating mission focused initiatives that strengthen entire organizations. She is a thought leader in the areas of website marketing strategy and development, social media, and online communication and branding. Claire, thank you so much for joining us today on Construction Disruption. Thank you. It's really good to be here. Well, we are excited to have you. Um, So your career has, has taken you through some big roles where you've led companies through some rebranding initiatives and being a branding fanatic myself, I'm pretty excited about our conversation today. I think that most people usually associate the term branding with a logo, but really, it's really so much more than that. Um, Can you give us and our listeners kind of a brief overview of what your definition of branding is? Sure. And and it's actually, it's not just my definition, so I can't lay claim to that. Yeah. (laughs) But you're absolutely right. A lot of people do when they start out thinking that they're going to create a brand, the very first thing you think of is, oh, well, of course, I need a logo, right? 
sense. But when I think about it, and this, I didn't think about this actually being related to construction, but when you go to remodel a room in your house, how often does it end up that you end up remodeling the entire house by the time you're done with it? Well, (laughs) you know, in this case, one room represents your logo, but you're really just building your house as far as the brand is concerned. So your brand, it's an all-encompassing label that applies to how others view you, how you feel or not how you feel. Well, yeah, it could be you, but how others feel about your company. So it's not just how you appear, but it's also indicates how people feel about the company and how the public sees you in the public domain, whether it be digital, word of mouth, all of those things create your brand. And so with everyone, everyone in every company has a brand. And the question really is, what is it? It's not just a logo, um, although that certainly is helpful. Is it, you know, communicating the right field? Do you have the right message? You start asking these really probing questions about who's your audience. You have to think about branding as far as I see, I just turned it into an action word. Brand is no longer like the static word, but when you start applying it to create your brand, it becomes an action word. So you become, um, you start branding. So when you start that process of identifying your brand, you start bringing up your strategy. You go and look at your company goals, your business plan, what um, sort of strategies that you want to take to achieve those goals. You're talking about marketing tactics, whether it be the creation of your logo through why you're going to use that logo on your website, your business cards, all the way down through the different elements that that you start thinking about when you start thinking about marketing. And the end result of it is you're trying to achieve the goal. The goal of maybe it's um, you're trying to sell more tangerines or maybe you're trying to increase the sales through your website. Maybe that's your your high conversion tactic there. But yeah, often people start with a logo, which then leads hopefully to a website, which is absolutely one of the best places to start building the your branding foundation. You really can't brand and market yourself without a website. Not this day and time. In the world we live in today, your social and digital proof is really everything. Amen. Couldn't agree more with that. You know, we've been over the last month or two, kind of going through some internal discussions on writing taglines and slogans uh, for our company. And I, I read something the other day that, you know, said if, if basically if you wait long enough, your customers will write your tagline for you. And I think that speaks a lot about branding and really how much your customers have to do with your branding, not just what you do with it or intend to do with it. It's very true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you can often get stuck in the weeds with your captions. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Would you say, and I don't know that there's a, a great answer to this or a right or wrong answer, but do you, would you say marketing falls under branding or vice versa? I would say that marketing is part of branding. Branding is, well, you can have a brand. You don't have to market it because everyone has a brand. But in order to build your brand, you do have to market it. So yes, I would say that marketing falls under the guise of branding. You can market and you can, when you market your brand, think about what I just said there. Replace that with when you market tangerines, for instance. 
or, you know, when you market something, a product, well, your brand becomes part of your product line. If you start thinking about that, sometimes that's an easier way to look at a brand. It's like, okay, it's not this big nebulous thing, but when you start marketing your brand, you start thinking about ways to promote what your, your message is, what your mission of the organization is. All of these things come into play. That your tone of voice as far as, um, and I don't mean like whether you're yelling or screaming. I mean like whether you're coming across as a rustic log homemaker or, um, you know, where, you know, suddenly you start envisioning a warm sort of feel to a website or to a messaging a campaign. It all comes together. That makes a lot of sense. It's very emotional and feelings-based. Is there a, a certain vertical inside the realm of branding that you found yourself really being drawn to? Or is it more of, you know, this kind of 30,000-foot view of branding that you're passionate about? I, you know, the common theme with branding is having really good content. And so while you can kind of bone up and learn tools and different new technologies that come onto the market, I, the underlying need is content. And so I would say that that's where I really drilled down and started to specialize, not started to, but been specializing for quite a long time, is creating really top-notch content that that helps to tell a company's story. And actually, that's the, the name of my company is Engage5W. And when I founded it back in, oh, I always think it was 2012, seems like forever ago years <laughs> that the reason behind that name is that five w's if you go back to grade school is the who what when where and why of every story and so if you can tell the who what when where and why of your company you can create your brand and so when you do that you can then translate the very same foundation to any platform, whether it be your website, Facebook, any of the the different tools that have come on the scene um, since my career started that help you communicate. So content creation, I think, is really so important, but also very hard. And, and I have some questions planned out that I'll ask later, but I, I don't think people realize how much goes into creating good content because the internet is filling up with so much, so much information and so much stuff. Do you have a process or anything that you follow for content creation, for good content creation, or is it more just kind of brainstorming what you think would work well? I do. I actually have over the years created, it's not a bulletproof process, but it's definitely a good guide and it helps facilitate good conversation. I have a number of different sort of branding questionnaires that I lead clients through that, that it's, you know, it's a very participatory process because when you're trying to tell the story of another company or trying to help them figure out what it is that they do best, it becomes very much focus group style, sort of um, just conversation based, but it does have a structure. And so I have put a structure to that. And by the end of the process, what the product is, is taking the tone and also the expertise of whoever it is I'm speaking with and trying to translate it and put it into marketing, yet conversational speak 
that addresses their their um, clients' pain points and offers the solutions so that they can then convert to a sale in a very authentic way rather than having some sort of you know gimmick or flash in the pan campaign you're really getting down to what makes that company tick and how it is they they want to do business so a large majority of our audience is obviously in the home improvement or construction industry what value does proper branding and communication offer to a small business owner or leader that's in this industry? It really lays the foundation for all of their communication efforts going forward. So if they can create a solid brand for themselves and tell their story very um, succinctly and authentically, and when I say tell their story, I don't mean you have to have some big tale about how your business came into being. I only mean you have to be able to talk about what you do with a little passion. And may, and it doesn't have to have some sort of key selling point. Because like you said, you, you're in a very service-based industry. And while you might your customer might be consumer-facing, but they might also be B2B. So it's just really being able to show that you are the expert in whatever area it is. And by going in and really laying that foundation, you're setting yourself up for success because anytime you create a marketing campaign, where do you try to drive traffic to? You might have a really great landing page that your advertising agency created, but when they click that convert button, where does it take them? And is that the point that your lead disappears? And if it is, that's when you know you have not created a brand at the very foundational level, which is your website. You can have the best ad agency in the world, but if your website doesn't convert with the copy that's existing there and the design, which, you know, design does play a, a big part too, then that's the missing link. So copyright writing is obviously, you know, a big part of the communication process and part of what you do. I would kind of venture to guess that it's not something most construction professionals think about very much. What would your advice be in regards to copywriting and construction? How important is it? And do you have any tips for hiring a copywriter or what to look for for someone in the, this industry that wants to focus on that? I do. Okay, so in regards to copywriting, I'm not a construction expert. So I'm going to try to throw a little bit of a comparison out there. And if it doesn't work out, just kind of bear with me on it and kind of, you know, I'll ask forgiveness later. But, you know, when you think about building a house, the first thing you prepare is the construction site and you prepare to pour the foundation. So I'm thinking copywriting, now bear with me again, is part of your website's foundation. So, I mean, it absolutely if you were to translate that over to a house's foundation, the copywriting is the water that goes into the cement mix. It might even be the accelerator. I know some, I've told my husband, he just, he used to do concrete. So he's, he told me that they put accelerator and colors and different things into concrete. Well, water is the closest comparison I can say to saying that copywriting, good copy on your website is the water that goes into the foundation. Now, that's not to say that if you didn't have the mix, which I would say is the design, you still, you need both. You need both design and copy. You, they go together. So 
you know, this type of, you know, if you don't have a website that has good copy, then you will find that people will find your website and that's it. I mean, they might find, they may not even find the website because actually copy is one of the biggest parts that makes you, and this is a horrible way to say it, findable. You know, on Google, if you don't have copy, Google doesn't see you. They don't see pictures. You know, the way that they are ranking you for any sort of keyword usage is through your copy. And so you could have a beautiful website that only has pictures and it's not going to do you any good at all. So you do need good copy. Um, I would say tips for hiring a good copywriter. So while it's useful if somebody does have a little bit of a construction background, you don't actually want them to have too much experience in that area because you're the expert as the construction person or, you know, that's, that is your expertise area. So why do you need to go find somebody that has that? You don't. You just need to find somebody that knows how to write, A, number one, right? Um, but not just any sort of writing. It's best to look for somebody that has expertise in, in branding or in looking at um, things from a marketing perspective. Um, you want to look for somebody that has a good ear for capturing what makes your company different. Someone that can listen to and create your company's story while drawing on your expertise and with the goal of communicating your services and telling your key selling points. You want to look for somebody who has a process in place. Like with any construction process, you want a clearly defined timeline and you want to have your expectations outlined because writing, it can be one of those processes that can go on and on and on. So you want to know exactly when your copy is coming back to you. And then on the flip side of that, as a good client, you want to get that copy back to the writer as soon as possible so that you can get your website design. So just know that when you go into a copywriting process, there will be a little bit of work on your end of it as far as um, getting things moving and keeping them moving and approving that draft. I would say third or fourth, I'm not even sure which one I'm on now, don't hire the cheapest. And I know this is, this is one of those things where you are having probably a hard time thinking, well, I'm trying to figure out why I'm even hiring a writer to begin with. But if you look at it from the perspective of you can spend, you know, 200 bucks over here hiring the cheapest writer around, which typically, I'm just going to be completely blunt, is outsourced to non-English speaking individuals who are doing the very best they can trying to master the English language. But they're also working for like, you know, a cent on the word. So you kind of get what you pay for. You know, as you look at this, which they deliver to you, it's what I call um, word soup. You look at it and you think, I feel like I should like this, but and all the sentences are complete. There's no grammatical error, but for some reason, I can't figure out what the heck they're saying. <laughs> so, you know, when you see something like that, you know you've just been served up a big bowl of word soup and it's just a waste of time. And Google will see right through that too. You know, that's the interesting thing about Google is that it's really smart. It, it will find and look for discrepancies and know if it makes sense amazingly enough or not. And 
So yeah, I would say don't hire the cheapest, uh, shop around. And then most importantly, ask for samples. Any good copywriter, unless they're just getting started, which, you know, that's not a bad avenue to go with if you trust the person or if you've heard good things about them or, you know, if they, if um, you just want to take a chance on that. But they should be thrilled to send you examples of their work. So a, a good copywriter will keep SEO or have SEO in mind when they're writing anything for you. Absolutely. Yes. And you could even make that part of your your contract with the, the copywriter is that you do a, a keyword analysis before you get started so that you are feeling very confident that whatever copy that they work with or create for you will contain those keywords. So you mentioned that, you know, part of the process will be, you know, you'll have the, co the copy sent back to you and you have to approve it. Would you caution folks at that point when they're going through that approval process, just look at it with the eyes of what's factual, what's true, what's what, what I want to get out there and tell them to kind of keep their nose out of the SEO end of things if they have a good copywriter? It really is a partnership. And I've had clients on both ends of the spectrum that, that they want to have, um, you know, control over every word versus the client who looks at it, and I wish they would be a little more engaged. And I would say that there is a healthy balance, and that is to, if you're hiring a professional copywriter and you feel like the onboarding process went well and you got your message across and you feel like, you know, that they're well-equipped to write for you, then trust that the style they're writing in, unless it's just completely outside the box away from where you thought it would be, Trust that that is what's going to help convert people to buy from you because that's what you hired them for. And if, and so, you, you know, you're really maybe muddying the process up a bit if you, if you try to, to rest the control back over. But if it's something huge, you know, if you're, if it's like they come across and they're talking about, you know, maybe the tone's just all wrong. Maybe you're really, really professional and they came back and they're saying like, hey, y'all. I mean, yeah, those things, of course, you want to get in there and be like, okay, no, no, no. But those are the things that should have been caught in the onboarding process with your copywriter. They should know that that's not the way that you want it written. Would you say that like, and and you can answer no comment to this, but an agency that is like an SEO agency, are they typically good, trustworthy copywriters? Is that kind of a, like an SEO expert in copywriting? Is, are, would you consider that interchangeable? Depends. I, you know, yeah. that's a really good question. So it really depends. It depends on, well, the company, of course. They're right. definitely good content SEO or, you know, people that can write search engine optimization style articles. However, if it's simply, if it feels like it's a machine, um, process, then it probably is. If it's, and that typically is sort of toward the bottom of the price range that you typically run into that. It, it kind of runs into the, they probably have even used artificial intelligence to put your keywords in and come up with some of this content, which to say is that there's nothing really wrong with that, except that you're not going to that type of SEO type of content. If you go to that type of company, it will not resonate with your actual audience. It will perhaps help with Google initially, but it's just going to look very generic. 
So I would say that there are some SEO companies that I even written for some of them that white label that do it right. You know, they hire out to a professional copywriter and say, these are the keywords. These are the keyword long terms that we need, but they're not forcing me to put it in there if it absolutely doesn't fit. That makes sense. Good answer. Kind of segueing into social media here. Just want to pick your brain a little bit on it. It's some social media is something that's always been hard for me personally to try to figure out when it comes to our industry. I love using social media, you know, for personal reasons, but when it comes to home improvement, construction, I think it's very hard for smaller, you know, construction, home improvement related companies to compete for attention on social media, especially with everything that's out there. Do you have any advice on standing out when you work in an industry like roofing or replacement windows or is social media maybe just a waste of time and energy? I would say social media, as with anything, if you approach it kind of like you're throwing darts at a dartboard and you don't have a real clear strategy as to why you're doing it, it can feel like a waste of time and it might be a waste of time. However, on the flip side of that, if you take a little bit of time on the onset to figure out who it is that you're trying to talk to on social media, who, who is the customer and where they are currently at, whether it be on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, then you can work backward from that and think about what sort of pain points those individuals on Instagram have or what might they be interested in and think about your messaging. And when you start doing that, that's not a waste of time because you're going to start building a potential customer base at the same time that you're building your credibility. So I would say that the biggest mistake I see service and product-based or just any business make in, in social media is by treating it the same way they would a TV commercial or a radio ad. Back when I was in school, we called this mass communication, which was my 101 class. And I had like 130 people in that class. But it's where <laughs> you have the one message that goes out to like 20,000 people or, you know, it's that mass communication that social media is the anti of, you know, it's taking time to figure out who it is you're talking to for social media. If, when you create one message and expect it to sell everywhere, that's where you will lose people on social media. And I would say a good rule of thumb for that, trying to, you know, stay away from that is your 80-20 rule, which is that 80% of what you share on social media should be something that is um, helping the potential person watching it or listening or reading it helps them solve a problem or it could be entertaining or it could be that you're kind of giving an ad of way to a partner or, you know, it's something that's not overtly selling your product. Now, that's only 80%. So you still have 20% there where you can run, um, you know, high converting campaigns. But even then you want to watch your messaging because if it starts to look too canned, people won't even see it when they're scrolling through their feed. It has to have a unique selling proposition. And typically you do have to think about that because um, it's so hyper-targeted when you're on social media, which is actually really cool because you can do that. You know, maybe you're looking for that, that specific person that's between the age of 40 and 50 that, you know, 
I don't know what it might be, but you can really drill down and put a little piece of information right in front of them, which is pretty cool. So, you know, I guess it is just, I would say that overall, you know, with me being in the industry and given that I am biased, it's not a waste of time. But if you aren't willing to take the time to really figure out why you're doing it, then then it probably, you probably aren't ready for it either. You know, it's not something that you want to invest your time in. And that's fair. There may be other things that are more higher converting at the moment that that maybe you don't necessarily need feel the need to add social media as a component. What I will say is that it does help build your brand. So we're back to that again, you know, build your brand, build your brand. It does help build your brand. So perhaps select one or two platforms to get started with rather than trying to do them all. That makes sense. I, I think lack of presence, you know, especially on the big social networks, you know, could leave potential customers to question your, if you're even in business, you know, which is maybe an unfortunate side effect of not investing in social media. But I guess the roadblock I've always put in my mind is thinking of how to post about that 20% and not really thought about or focused on that other 80%, which is really just providing value. Good advice. Lots to unpack there and, and think about. Moving on to websites a little bit, you know, you've alluded to this before, and, and I believe websites, you know, they're an extremely vital part of any business these days. But I'm always shocked by the number of small businesses that either don't have a website at all or they have a very dated looking website. Do you have any advice for our listeners in regards to website strategy and development and what they should be kind of considering or thinking about going into 2023? Well, I would say that if you don't have a website, just as you're saying, you definitely need one. If you have one and right on the line, it's like what you were in my head when I was looking at this. But it's, a, you know, if it hasn't been touched in years, you definitely need to go back and review it. Look at the content that's on it. Look at the way that it looks. How does it appear? How does it appear and compare to your competitors? Because if someone lands on your site and then they go and look at your competitor's site, which one, and maybe they're both dated, I don't know. But for maybe, let's say that your competitor updated their website last year and they're looking all slick and high converting and just modernized and you have the same website since 1998, you aren't going to be putting your best foot forward before you even talk to the client or the potential customer. So I would say definitely look at that. Uh, maybe it's time to to get not only new content for the website, but if, if it's really from 1998, you definitely need a new design. It doesn't have to be super fancy. It just really needs to tell your story well, to, um, you know, go back and build onto your, your products and your services so that, that people can understand what it is that you do. And then also feel like you're trustworthy and credible within the industry. And when you have a website that looks dated, they start thinking, first they're probably like, oh, are they even in business still? Or, you know, they start, start questioning it where, okay, well, this person has a way for me to just click through and set up a, a call or an appointment or, you know, it gives me a tour of their building. Whereas over here, it's like dark green and white and everything's in a box. And and I just don't know what's going on there. 
And so like it or not, people are judging you (laughs) (laughs) and you do it too. Just think about it. When you go out there and you're even looking at a restaurant to go eat, you're looking at reviews, you're looking at everything before you even decide if you're going to have lunch. So, you know, if you're hoping that people are going to your website and going to make a huge renovation type of purchase, it's definitely worth the investment. You'll make your money back fast. I uh, I read something the other day that said a website should never be finished. There's never an end point. There, there's never a, our website's finished. It should always be something you're working on. It's very true. And I thought that was really cool. And you know where I would recommend you continue adding content? A blog. And yes, blog still invokes fear in the hearts of a lot of people. <laughs> But really, really and truly, a blog is a place where you might even call it something else. Maybe you call it resources. Yeah, Maybe it's something that once a month you have someone on your team write up or maybe you, during your team meeting you're talking about frequently asked questions. And one of these questions that your clients or your customers keep bringing up, you could turn into a short blog short art article and push it out onto your website and then push it out to whatever Facebook you decide to, to be on or Facebook, but Facebook would be a good one, whatever social media you decide to be on and um, help promote yourself that way. And it builds your credibility. You know, I, I, it's really serendipitous that you're our guest here today. I, I think I've been thinking a lot about websites recently. I want to kind of run something by you. And we don't often here on the show talk about our business and exactly what we do, but I want to run this by you. So we manufacture metal roofing that doesn't necessarily look like metal roofing. Our products are fairly high end, but we manufacture products that are indeed metal, but maybe they look like high end wood shakes or slate or even shingles or tile or something. So, so I often think about, you know, the homeowner out there and, and it used to be, they didn't know much about metal roofing. And we think they usually came to our industry's websites just by searching for roofing. But I do think today they are searching for metal roofing, but I often think that in their mind, you know, a metal roof is what they think of on a barn or a commercial. It's that, that vertical seam. So they come to a website uh, that pulls up in their Google results from searching for metal roofing and the immediate visuals are our product. I often think they just bounce right out of there because this isn't metal roofing. I'm just curious. Do you think that's a, a risk in our industry that, you know, they've gotten there thinking they're going to find one thing. They immediately, their visual is they don't see what they thought they were going to see. So they just bounce and go on to the next next person. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. It's like um, it could maybe even brand it as this isn't your grandpa's metal roofing. <laughs> it's even we've, better. We've seen that done. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen that done a few times. I just, you know, I often tell people when they're looking at their website, you know, put yourself in your website visitor's shoes. Think about how they got there, what they Googled in order to get to your website and do they find it immediately when they get there? Because I know my habits in, in surfing are, uh, or whatever you call it, searching, are, you know, if I end up on a website and it doesn't seem to be what I was looking for, I, I make my decision pretty quick and I'm out of there and on to the next one. It's five seconds within is that, five is that seconds what it or is? less. Wow. And sometimes it's three. 
So man, you yeah. you really do have to engage them quickly then and and convince them that you know you either are what they're looking for or somehow you've got the answer to to meet their pain or whatever it is they're they're looking for. It's true. And you know, thinking more on that that question you had is that and I haven't done my due diligence and been out to really study your website deeply, but you may have articles to this effect, but really going into detail about different types of, of roofing that you do have, but then also trying to relate it and perhaps using client testimonials to describe the impact that having this type of roof um, has, you know, made for them in their lives or for the purpose that they were seeking, you know, just trying to bring it back around. Uh-huh. Yeah, everything's about impact these days. You're absolutely right. Good stuff. Good stuff. So when it comes to everything we've talked about today, branding, marketing, social media, are there any opportunities that you see out there right now that might have tremendous potential for someone in the construction industry? Is there anything that is, you know, just perhaps being missed in our industry that could easily be a home run? I do have a couple ideas surrounding this. So one of them, and I know um, just depending on which uh, vertical that you're in or where your um, customer is at, meaning that if you have direct-to-consumer versus B2B, you'll have two different types of of tactics that you might use. For for instance, for direct-to-consumer, I would recommend looking at Pinterest and Instagram. And I do think those are often overlooked for construction industry folks because it's um, kind of fluffy feeling and it's kind of like you're thinking, oh, I see those reels, you know, the dogs are jumping out everywhere, all that stuff. But people are there. They're eating that up. And it's not to say that you have to make that type of reel be true to your brand. But also one reason that you might look specifically at Pinterest is that statistically women are the financial decision makers in the household. And if they're not the financial decision makers, they're certainly the ones that are making a lot of the home-based decisions as far as like pushing their partners to go out and, and get that new roof or remodel their, their home or whatever it might be. But they're looking at Pinterest. Um, you know, I'm going to say we because, yeah, I'm a woman. I'm out there looking at Pinterest thinking, okay, I want ideas for anything and everything. My son graduated from high school. I have a pin board for graduation ideas. Pinterest ranks ranks highly in Google too. So I would say if you haven't explored Pinterest as far as, um, especially if you do a lot of before and after pictures, that would be completely a good good platform to try. Um, Instagram, the same way, you could do a lot of um, before and after type of video. You know, Reels sound intimidating, which that's R-E-E-L-S. For those of you that don't really do Instagram, that's where those videos are popping up that your kids are looking at people dancing and all those things. Well, anytime you post video to Instagram now, they Instagram automatically converts it into a reel, which is good. You think, oh, what do I care? It's good because Instagram is promoting the heck out of their reels right now. And they're putting them in front of their ideal audiences, trying to get more and more people to use reels as a platform because they're trying to compete with TikTok. So, you know, we're going to use their own competitive spirit to get more eyeballs on content. So I would say consider women as a target. Look at Pinterest and Instagram. That's direct to consumer. B2B, LinkedIn is your best bet. And I know that seems like such a boring platform for a lot of people, but 
that's only because you haven't really used it. You've gone out there and you're like, why do I keep getting these invitations to connect? What do I care? Who do I know? I don't know that person. They're just trying to sell me something. <laughs> well, and you're thinking, why do I want to go out there and try to sell people something? You don't have to sell if it's already something they're looking for. And so you kind of go out there and you start using it as a database. So think of LinkedIn as a database to where after you have your profile looking good, you can go out and try to and start connecting with very strategically people that you're targeting. Like um, I noticed that Isaiah Industries, for example, I did see this on your website that um, you work with a lot of architects. Is that right? Correct. Um, yeah. So architects are all over LinkedIn. And so that that is a great place to try. And at the bare minimum, let them know that you exist. And so LinkedIn is your professional B2B type of platform. Create a company page definitely too out there. Cool. I love LinkedIn. We do. I'm really starting to like LinkedIn a lot too. It's becoming my preferred social network. Pinterest, we do have a dealer that has been very successful and I haven't talked to him for a while, but for a while there, he was very successful with, with Pinterest and I don't use it much, but man, that place is like a hole. Like I think Pinterest is a bigger hole, even for me as a guy than Facebook or Twitter or, or Instagram, anything else you can get sucked in so easily to Pinterest, at least for me, but. I think so too. Yeah, I like Pinterest a lot yeah. because it, it just, it cuts out the fluff. Yeah. Do you have any advice for folks who are just getting started in their careers? You know, what, what advice would you have for them to have a, a long and fulfilling career? So this question kind of makes me feel old, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> no, it's good. And, I, and then I stopped to think about it and I'm like, yeah, I guess I am kind of getting there. So when I think about this, I would say... Continue learning and upskilling. Be ready. And this is something I've had to do throughout my career is pivot. Be ready to pivot your business to where your customers are. And that sounds pretty vague and it sounds kind of like a fortune cookie, but it's really not. If you think about it, just it's very simple. If you find something that's working, mine it. Don't think, oh, well, I've never done that before. I'm not sure if I can do it. Go out and figure out how to do it and mine that until it is empty. Because by the time it's empty, something else will have come up and you'll be able to say, okay, I can pivot over here and my business, well, sure, I can do that too. Why not? So one of the examples that comes up for the construction industry, and it would be interesting to hear your thoughts on, on this too, but the, the green initiative, you know, trying to figure out how to incorporate um, green business into, and I'm not even probably saying that exactly right, but there's money coming down from the very top if you can get in on it, <laughs> from what I understand. Uh, but be looking at, looking at ways to incorporate that into your current business model as a potential kind of investment opportunity because there there may be potential for a different type of customer coming to you for that very specific service. So don't be afraid to invest um, and pivot and invest in yourself and your business. Good stuff. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Claire. Um, we're wrapping up the, the business end of things here. And this has been a real pleasure and privilege to hear your thoughts on, on all this. Is there anything that we haven't covered today that you'd like to share with our audience? 
gosh, I really appreciate you guys having me here today. And I, as I think about maybe kind of final words to leave you with or one thought to leave behind to to um, emphasize some of the things that, that we've talked about, I would say that if people only know what they know about you because they've heard about you word of mouth through customer referrals or they've seen an ad on TV or radio or maybe something, maybe something online, they've Googled and found your website. So all those things I just mentioned, go back and review, kind of look at it through fresh eyes as if you've never seen your brand before. Do you like what you see? Are those channels actually working for you still? And if they aren't, you might need to look at refreshing your brand a little bit and looking at new messaging. That sounds great, but not like <laughs> not very easy to do. No, it's not. And you take it in steps. That's that's true too. Yeah, and there, there's yeah. really not a deadline to that. So I would say if there's one step to start with, I would say look at your website. Yeah, good stuff. Well, thank you for sharing that. So before we close out, I have to ask if you would like to participate in our rapid fire questions. These are seven questions that kind of range from serious to silly. And your only commitment is to provide a short answer to each one. Our audience needs to understand that if Claire agrees to this, she has no idea what we're about <laughs> to ask her. So Claire, are you up for the challenge of our rapid fire questions? I am ready. Awesome. I don't think we've ever had anybody say no. Have we talked? No. <laughs> No, we have. We have people hesitant. Hesitant, yeah. You you will be the 70th, 70th episode, Claire, that has said yes to rapid fire. <laughs> awesome. Todd, do you want to, uh, we usually alternate. Todd, do you want to kick things off? I would love to. So, Claire, question number one. This is an easy one. Do you prefer hot or cold weather? Hot. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm a cold weather guy. <laughs> I could live in Alaska. <laughs> What fast food restaurant has the best French fries? Culver's. Ooh, that's interesting. Good answer. They got the little crinkle fries, don't it they? It does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I haven't had those in a while. Ah, now you got me thinking for the weekend. Or Brahms. Brahms is a close second there, too. See, we don't have those around here. Oh, oh no. Missy, now. Every once in a while, when I'm in Texas or Oklahoma, I'll stop by one. But yeah, we don't have them here in Ohio. Well, question number three talking about eating things if you had to eat a crayon what color of crayon would you choose to eat tangerine perfect <laughs> absolutely perfect <laughs> seems it'd be light and fruity <laughs> <laughs> nothing waxy no no <laughs> when you were younger what did you want to be when you grew up veterinarian Always had a great love of animals. Oh, very really? cool. How many pets do you have? I currently have two dogs and one hamster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But at any given time, I always have at least two dogs. I'm allergic to cats, which is a real bummer because I really love cats too. But yeah. I'm kind of there with you. I, I think maybe I could be a cat person, but I am horribly allergic to them. So it rolls them out. Okay, Is it my, it's my turn next, isn't it? Okay, question number five. If you could learn one new skill, just instantly learn one new skill, what would it be? Drywalling. Wow. Seriously. 
That is really a special one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can we ask why? <laughs> well, because when we when we purchased our home, my my husband does a lot of um, fix and flip home stuff, and so okay. my daughter didn't actually have a room, and it was the most amazing thing. We had a loft area that he put drywall and built a wall for her, which is the funniest thing. Yeah, he built a wall for you, dear. But that would be very a very useful skill to have. I can I can build words, but I can't build walls. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Have you seen any of the videos going around where these guys carry in the huge cheese by themselves and like throw it up and hold it up by themselves and start it? No. No. Oh, there's some pretty incredible drywall accounts. I, I think they're from like, you know, they're from guys that do drywall and they're just so good at it and they have some pretty successful social media accounts. See, there you go. You guys could, yeah. Anyway, any yeah. drywallers out there, that's the way to go. Right. Because as soon as I do a search, I'm going to be served up with a bunch of drywall video. <laughs> <laughs> so, something you would never <laughs> think right. would entertain you on social media, Might right? Be trying it out. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the next question has a little bit of a branding theme to it. Are you familiar with the new Kia logo? Oh, gosh. Now I want to Google it. I am not sure that I am. Should I Google it real quick? Uh, okay. You can, yeah, if you want. So there's been, it's made a lot of headlines and kind of gone around that I think it's like 30 some thousand searches a month now for KN car. Oh, it does look like that. Oh my goodness. My question was, do you love or hate the new Kia logo? Not a fan. Although. No? I don't know that I really like their old logo either, but this one doesn't, it violates rule number one. Easy identification. Legit. And you have to keep it simple. That's what a lot of people have been saying. So so people look at it and see KN and they see cars and so then they go Google, what's this KN car about? Is that right? Yes, correct. Wow. Interesting. I had not heard that. And people are very dyslexic too because that N is not even the right direction. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That is interesting, though, because, uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen the logo uh, and I, I was not necessarily a fan either because I thought this is just it's not clear. It's hard to understand. So that's interesting. Well, we'll see. Yeah, it could be that they're trying to make it look a little more a little classier or something. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I think it looks a little more pre premium. I wasn't a fan of their previous logo mm -hmm. and I have a Kia Stinger. And so when they when they came out. I waited until the new logo, because I knew it was coming out, was on the cars before I got the Stinger, <laughs> just because I liked it more. And I like the, yeah, I like the Kia cars. In fact, I used to have a Kia Spectra, but um, I can yeah. see why you'd want to do that, because here's a branding problem for them, is that people who have Kias aren't really even super proud that they have Kias. So, like, they want an emblem right. that... Maybe the people don't. Maybe that's the brilliance behind their new marketing is that people no longer know that it's really a Kia. And honestly, that was certainly kind of true in my case. Yeah, I could yeah. see that. Yeah, that reminds me of a story from 20 some years ago, but Oldsmobile came out, which doesn't even exist anymore, but they came out with a model called the Intrigue. And, you know, they had a lot of play on words, the Intrigue and that type of stuff as they introduced the car. But the first model year did not have any Oldsmobile branding on it. Didn't say Oldsmobile on it. Didn't have the Oldsmobile logo. Didn't have anything on it. 
And, you know, I had recognized that because we own one. And I had thought, you know, they did this on purpose just with the idea of intrigue. Later saw an interview with an Oldsmobile guy and he said, no, we completely missed it. We completely oh forgot to put the Oldsmobile <laughs> logo on it. Oh, gosh. Uh, that's, so, that's that's an expensive mistake. <laughs> so the second year it was out, it had the Oldsmobile logo on oh, it. Oh, wow. <laughs> First year, they're like, yeah, we completely forgot it. Last question. What would you like to be remembered for? Ooh, that's a tough one. You guys ended with a really tough one. I'd like to be remembered, and this is going to sound super hokey, and maybe I should go funny with this, but just as a as a good person, I don't want people to think back on me and think like, God, that Claire, she was a real terrible person. <laughs> like, no, no, I just want to be like a good, you know, just be known as someone that was who she said she was. And it doesn't have to be anything complicated. I like that a lot. We should all aspire to that. That's for sure. And I, I would say you're well on your path there. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much. Uh, the, this has been great. We need to uh, recap our challenge words before we close out here. I think everybody got them in and was successful, correct? Todd, your word was? My word was serendipitous. Thank you very much, Claire. That was a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> Todd uses that word all the time. All the Don't time, fool yeah. you. Yeah. All, probably all weekend, I'll find 20 ways to use it. Suddenly, you'll, you'll have it pop into your head. Serendipitously, that will happen. Uh-huh. And Claire, your word was? Tangerine. Man, you get bonus Tangerine. points. You must have yep. used it like a half dozen times. <laughs> You're asking a word person. To... <laughs> <laughs> we should have given you a harder word. <laughs> And my word was limerick. So we were all successful in getting those in. Well, you know, um, Claire, this is this has been a, a pleasure. Again, you know, thank you for spending time with us today. For anybody that wants to get in touch with you, how can they most easily do that? Shoot me an email at claire at engage5w.com or just head on over to my website. You can find me there too or any other social media platforms you'll probably find me. LinkedIn is a great place to connect with me as well. So I give you any number of ways, but just the keywords to look for would be engage 5W, and that's with the number five. And then my first and last name, which my last name is Sakaoka. So if you start typing in Claire, and then you start typing in S-A-K, I'm not that famous, so you'll probably have to keep typing A-O-K-A. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll be there. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. All but, right, we will make sure to leave links in the show notes as well. Okay. That's great. So one, one quick question. I uh, imagine Engage 5W works with clients all over the place. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Just wanted to make that clear. So everyone is free to contact you and uh, Thank you. see how you can help them out. Listen, good. Yeah. Be good to have a few good conversations and at least see, um, you know, needs assessment is a big deal and, and maybe you don't know what you don't know. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for for tuning in to this episode of Construction Disruption with Claire Sakaoka of Engage 5W. Please watch for future episodes of our podcast. We have more great guests on tap. And don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. Until then, change the world for someone, make them smile, and encourage them. Two powerful things we can do to change the world. God bless. Take care. This is Isaiah Industries signing off. 
Until the next episode of Construction Disruption.